Cox Panoramic Wi-Fi includes advanced security to help protect all your connected devices. You'll get real-time alerts. Oh, like this one. So you don't have to worry about malware. Or when your kid downloads a song from a shady link. And now all your computer can play is... Red color, red color, where are you? <sighs> all blocked, thanks to advanced security. Included with Cox Panoramic Wi-Fi. Advanced security must be enabled in the Panoramic Wi-Fi app. Restrictions apply. Welcome to Chit Chat Money. On this show, hosts Ryan Henderson and Brett Schaefer interview industry experts and riff on the world of investing. As a quick reminder, Chit Chat Money is a CCM Media Group podcast. Ryan and Brett are not financial advisors. Anything discussed on Chit Chat Money by Ryan or Brett or any other podcast guest is not formal advice or a recommendation. Now, please enjoy this episode. All right, welcome in. This is the Fundamental Analysis Show on Chit Chat Money, our Sunday episode, and we're talking par technologies today. But first, we want to talk about our seven investing friends. They yep. run a newsletter. Uh, we love the team there. And if you want to subscribe, you can get $10 off your first month if you use our promo code CCM at checkout. So you can get the first month for only $7, and it's a great service. Yeah. It is well worth the value there. That's uh, that's quite the sales pitch. Maybe we're going to have to switch, alternate on and off to see, see who gives the best pitch. Who gives the best pitch? We'll but, have to discuss yeah, each other. They, we have partnered with them. So if you're interested in signing up, use our code because you get money off. And if, you're, con- and if you're confused, just message us and we will get that all figured out for you. Yeah. And PAR Technologies now, though. We got to yep. talk par. Um, you so wanna, yeah, you I got a go. call today from a guy named David Polanski, and he works for an investment manager out in Boston. They're one of the top 20 shareholders, roughly, for par technologies. So he kind of broke down the business for me, and it was really fascinating to hear him say it. So I'm going to reiterate it to you guys. Par technologies is recognized as one of the largest suppliers, if not the largest supplier of point of sale systems to the global quick service restaurant business. So think like fast food essentially. Um, and they have three divisions uh, in their business. They have their hardware point of sale solution, which has been around for a long time. Then they have a government contracting business, which seems weird. It's like this thing that doesn't really grow and it's a lot of classified information, so they can't disclose it. But I'm it, I'm pretty sure it's just this random contracting job that they have taken from the government. Okay. And they generate like $8 million in free cash flow from it and invest it into the rest of their business apparently. That's um, nice. But the third part of their business is Brink, which is their cloud-based point-of-sale software. They made the acquisition of Brink in 2014. The point-of-sale system for a restaurant is basically the focal point of the business. So it's sort of the hub that makes the whole restaurant run. Um And so Brink is basically running all the software behind the hardware, and it's really powering the restaurant. They have a bunch of different services, so uh, online ordering, royalty programs, future date ordering, surveys, menu customization, kitchen video systems, like basically anything you need in order to run a restaurant software-wise, they offer it. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's sort of – that's a lot of the bull – that's sort of the crux of the bull thesis for PAR Technologies. Um, history, starting with their first product back in 1978, Par Technologies has been running restaurant point of sale systems for over 40 years. They were they were the first one McDonald's used way back in the day, and you can go onto their website and look up their first point of sale system, and it looks so ancient. 
Yeah, it looks like a typewriter. Yeah, it's weird. But um, yeah, they've been around for a long, long time. So they sort of have um, some credibility in the industry. Uh, some of the most notable restaurants that use PAR hardware include McDonald's, Subway, Taco Bell, a bunch of those. And then PAR also has 13 customers, sorry, Brink, which is a part of PAR, has 13 customers with more than 200 units. So that's sort of like the bigger businesses, right. if you will. And that's those include uh, Arby's, Carl's Jr., Mod Pizza. There's Sweet Green. Sweet Green. There's a bunch of other ones. Um, PAR went public in January of 2011. The founder is John W. Salmon. Um, he founded the company and he's still on the board of directors, but he's 80 years old. So he's not the chairman. He retired that role. He's not the CEO. He passed that off to his daughter. Um, and yeah, he's old, but he's still on the board, still gets paid. He owns 11.5% of the company still. So old man's getting paid, I guess. Yeah. Um, but his daughter was CEO, I think, until 2016, 2017. And she did make the Brink acquisition, which ended up being a great acquisition. So that was sort of her notable uh, role that was her achievement mm -hmm. and they've always been sort of a family-run business until 2018 when they hired uh the now ceo savneet singh um, i'm not sure where he came from i think he had founded his own tech company but he's only like 38 years old and he's running the company now so that seems so yeah red flag always with the nepotism there um yeah. it works both ways you know it's some it's not necessarily a bad thing but uh it can be constricting when you're trying to move right. into a new direction with the business uh valuation i'll get into that enterprise value is under a billion dollars at 846 million depending on what day it's trading at uh i know there's a lot of market volatility right now so that might change a lot the ticker is par and the price um, from when i looked it up is 36 dollars and 88 cents so it's around there ev to sales is about 4.3 ford pe of 43.6 although with the COVID year and their big investments into Brink, uh, which is their software as a service offering for restaurants, um, they're kind of, I mean, they're losing a little bit of money up front to make those investments. So they're in a little bit of a transitional period. Uh, margin adjusted EV to sales is 165, and that is because the gross margins are very low and their revenue growth currently um, is not very strong. And we think, or at least most investors probably think, that revenue growth will not be as slow as it is during the COVID pandemic because, well, you know, restaurants are hit pretty hard with that. Right. And it's kind of a tough business to be in right now. They have no dividend yield and shares outstanding have been very steady over the past decade. And they have about 90 million in working capital and 100 million in long-term debt. So not a fantastic balance sheet, but no big red flags on the balance sheet whatsoever. I'll get into the earnings then. $198.7 million in trailing 12-month revenue. That was up 9% year over year. They had 21% gross margins versus 19% the year prior. And so, yeah, that is low gross margins, and that's leading to part of our one of the basically deficiencies of our own in-house metric. Um, but remember, gross margins are not stuck. They can move. Um, as yeah. the business changes, the margin profile can change as well. And so that I think that's a little bit of what we're seeing here because Brink is more software-based as opposed to their traditional hardware nature. And I think the government contracting job is really low margin as well. Um, but anyways, they had negative $15 million in levered free cash flow for the last 12 months, $31 million in net losses. They had $58.8 in cash and cash equivalents, but they just did an equity offering, so they raised a bunch of cash. I think it was upwards of $100 million in cash. 
Um, don't quote me on that though. And then they had 2,000, uh, 10,280 active sites that use Brink as of the second quarter. They grew, they had 465 new store activations for Brink and their uh, annual recurring revenue for Brink grew 30% year over year uh, to around 21 million. So it's been that, and that was one of the performance metrics on the proxy statement. So the CEOs get paid based on annual recurring revenue for Brink. Which is and, strong. I think that's a good. Yeah, because that's part of the business that they're trying to grow. And so I think they met sort of their target range. Um, um, so they, they'll get paid for that. But uh, yeah, it's good to see them hitting their metrics for that. Yeah, and then the store activations is a very important number for Brink because they've shown historically that they can grow their average revenue per user, which is ARPU, uh, quite significantly once they land that customer to use the Brink service um, just because it has a lot more value and it's a lot more integrated instead of just the hardware for the point of sale. All right, welcome back. Next up is digging trenches. What do you think? Zero to three on their moat here. So if I were looking at this before, like really digging in, I would have said much lower because it feels like just you hear a point of sale system and it feels like a commodity product now. But there is a lot of credibility being that they provide the point of sale systems for all the big quick service restaurants. So McDonald's, Subway, when it's like the chicken and the egg thing. So if you're a new startup and you're like, all right, I think we can deploy this point of sale system to a company with 500 locations. Um, they're going to say, have you done it before? They're like, no, but I think we can do it. Well, they don't want to be the first one. So they sort yeah. of have the validation of prior customers. And so that gives them a little bit more of a moat. Uh, but still, it's not something huge because it is an area that's constantly being disrupted. So I'd say maybe one and a half. Yeah, I'd think I'd go like two, um, but it's not definitely not super entrenched because they're a lot smaller and they're competing against at least maybe even just adjacently. There's a lot of general point of sale solutions out there that are quite a bit larger, but with that focus they have, it could be an advantage. All right, future growth opportunities. What do you have? Yeah, so they just recently rolled out their payments processing solution with Brink. So Brink, uh, prior to this, was basically just those software services that re are required to run a restaurant and you would subscribe to those. Now they are rolling out their payments processing part and they just did it recently this year. Um, and so basically they can facilitate the customer payments and I think they basically get around 30 to 40 basis points on that. It's They charge a higher take rate, but obviously a lot of it goes to the card provider and the processing banks and all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, but I just think if I'm a restaurant and I'm paying someone the same take rate, I would rather have it. If I already had Brink, I'd probably all like to have it all on one bill Yeah. just because I don't know, you don't want to be scrounging around for papers to find where that bill went and all that stuff. But if there's like a high switching cost, I don't know, then it might be a little tough for them to sell that payments processing uh, yeah, it solution. seems strange that they're just coming out with this. Um, I would have thought that they would have done it 10 years ago. Um, that's a, a little bit of a concern to me that they're behind the ball on that because we, we everyone knows there's um, Square, Shopify, Stripe, PayPal. They've all been dominating the, this type of market, although sometimes that's just not directly competing with Par, but they should have probably been able to see that. It's a little bit of a concern, but it's good, I guess, eventually that they're rolling it out now. They may have a little bit um, more friction to get you know people to switch. And it should drive higher... ARPU or average yeah. revenue per restaurant um, mm -hmm. for par. 
Yeah, definitely. All right, mine is the Zuppler integration with Brink. Uh, this is an online and on-premise ordering solution. So some of the things that they do, mobile menu syncing, end endpoint, um, endpoint to endpoint, excuse me, order monitoring. That's a tough thing to say. Uh, so this isn't a huge thing, but I wanted to highlight that as Brink has the ecosystem, as they call it, of apps. So the apps can work with Brink. I'm assuming Brink just gets a small cut of what Zuppler is doing, just like a standard app store procedure. But the thing is, what Par has is thousands and thousands of restaurants they can add this to. So they're in that little store that the restaurants want, um, and they don't have to create all this technology in-house. All the developers and the, the teams that make these smaller businesses, yeah, Par can maybe acquire some of them, but it's nice that they can all have these options if you're on the Brink platform. It makes the value proposition um, just incrementally higher. Yeah, and... To touch on basically what you're saying there, they essentially have this economy of scale, which kind of plays into the digging trenches part. They are so well built out among franchises all across the world that they sort of have the infrastructure laid, and that takes a lot of time to do. So that kind of yep. leads to an advantage. Uh, highlights and lowlights, what do you have? Okay, so QSR, which is the quick serve restaurants at Fast Casual, are the types of restaurants doing fine during this pandemic. So... You know, mainly because they have PAR, um, yeah. PAR technologies, and they were able to, you know, go to online ordering really quickly. Um, they're able to do drive through very quickly. It's all integrated. Everything is, you know, in the cloud, which people like. So end of July, only 6% of Brink customers were closed. They have a backlog of 1,500 stores that need to get integrated with either Brink or PAR. I believe it is Brink, which is, you know, quite high. That's a, at least a few quarters of backlog there. Low lights for me, though, they've been slow to bring out products, like I just mentioned. It feels like they're a bit behind the curve between Square, Stripe, and Shopify, who are giant, very successful competitors. I know that they're not directly competing with these guys, um, at least most of the time, and that may be an advantage, but it is concerning that their competition has such a history of, one, staying ahead of the curve, being right and uh, you know growing rather quickly, eating up all this market share. Yeah, and I think that might have, or traditionally it seems like they have been slower to innovate, and I think that might have come down to them being a family business, and they have rolled out the payments processing what a year after the new CEO took over. Yeah, so I think that might help as well. Um, highlights for me though, they were really built for the enterprise. I like that. It's sort of, uh, <laughs> I guess it's a niche in the point of sale system universe but um i don't know I, I don't like the companies it felt like Lightspeed it was very broad and it yeah. didn't have much of a moat or it wasn't defensible at all i think uh par technologies does have some sort of defensibility there they have very stable revenue churn is churn is really low under under five percent yeah and i with if you're including restaurants that go under i if you sorry, if you exclude restaurants that go out of business, that turns even lower. Yeah, they so, well they had a yeah they had a COVID bump, so they adjusted it a bit, which I think makes sense uh, for the right. last few quarters. But historically, it's been under five percent. Yeah, it doesn't seem like a lot of franchises are actually switching systems. Um, and then my lowlights, this really is, um, it's an you get a pick. Okay, you're an investor, you get a thousand pitches, you don't have to swing at any of them. This is still an outside or an outbound sales company. So they go to conferences, they have to make sales pitches to reps from headquarters of franchises. 
and they have to switch the entire system, which is kind of costly. And then they also have customer support, which is good, but at the same time, it is costly as well. And so there's just, you're, you're not getting this high demand inbound sales. It's all costly Employ a sales team go out, get some long lifetime value customer, but yeah. make, make it really costly in the process. So that, I mean, the strategy in general of the business isn't something I'm usually drawn to. Well, there's a, yeah, there's a give and take there. Um, but I do agree that there is a lot of friction to get people on board. It reminds me of Blackline that we just talked about yeah. where they're going off, off of a niche of a large market with entrenched um, businesses in there or, you know, larger competitors, but they're going to be able to, you know, since they're focused, they're going to be able to hopefully, you know, have a better product for these specific customers. It lowers your TAM, um, which really isn't something that people should get too hung up on. But then on the other side, the revenue growth is not going to be able to accelerate quickly just because some product goes viral or, you know, there's just more demand. It's going to be slow, but hopefully if you're an investor in part, you think it is sustainable growth. Right. Uh, are you more or less interested today? Definitely more interested. I think over the last month, this may be the company. When you look at the valuation, um, 4.3 times sales. It's probably lower now since the market has had a tough week, although we're recording on Wednesday. So Thursday and Friday could have been up days. Uh, it's probably a little lower than that. And it seems reasonable for something like this. And if you think that the gross margins can expand upwards of 30% plus, Right now, their brink is at about 26% gross margin. So maybe, you know, at scale, it could be a lot higher. Um, I like it a lot. I think there's a lot of defense here. And it's definitely a company I'm going to research in more. Like, I, yeah, I do like the business as well. My only concern would be the business model leverage or the operating leverage. How, I mean... Uh, the cost scale with the business. It's not like you're some of them, some uh, of them, some of them, but right. It's a, it's a costly sales process and you have a lot of customer support. That doesn't mean it can't be profitable. And that doesn't mean it can't return. Uh, the stock can't return greater than market returns because it is pretty cheap, especially when you compare it to some of the other point of sales companies, like, especially Lightspeed. Yeah. Like it's much better than Lightspeed and it's at a trading at basically a discount to that valuation. Yeah, it's it's very intriguing. Just you know, there's some there are some little negatives to the business. Yeah, so that churn number with that is important, and it's probably something people need to 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 look out for if that's changing, getting better, or getting worse. Or just pay attention to the big customers because if you restaurants will default, restaurants will go out of business. But if you see them actually losing like franchises, that's a bigger red flag. Yeah, exactly. All right, that's gonna do it for this episode. As always. Um, this is another thing we have at the end now. Use our CCM promo code for 7investing and get $10 off your first month. Remember, we are not financial advisors. Anything we say on the show is not formal advice or recommendation. Give us suggestions for any show on Twitter at Chit Chat Money. Just DM us or at us and we will... Or email. email. Or email us at chitchatmoneypodcast at gmail.com if you are not on Twitter. Uh, thank you all for listening. We'll see you on our next episode.